Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Live from Studio 66, it's the Dave Damashek Football Program. Catch it on iTunes or at NFL.com slash Sheck. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to the Dave Damashek Football Program, available as always on iTunes and at NFL.com slash Sheck. Yes, another good show lined up for you on the heels of what was really a very well-received episode earlier in the week. We had Daniel Jeremiah, a.k.a. at Move the Sticks, and we kept falling into some very interesting thoughts here. One, I floated the idea that Calvin Johnson is going to retire as the greatest wide receiver of all time, maybe even jumping Jerry Rice, and at, and at the very worst, he may well be the best. He may be the second best wide receiver in history right now. He may he may may be that. So go back and listen to it. He had some great thoughts. He he, he figured out Drew Brees' tell when he's about to throw a, a deep ball. Um, that was good stuff. What else, Black Tie? There was a lot of there no. Was that a was lot great. I just stuff. wanted to go back to the poll that we had up following that episode on the blog. It was as debated on DDFP two two hundred and one. Who was the second best receiver in NFL history? Calvin Johnson, Randy Moss, Michael Irvin, T.O. were options. Calvin Johnson, landslide at 60%. Terrell Owens last, Michael Irvin third, Randy Moss second at 25%. We should have also put Steve Largent in there. I think that's the group, but I mean, that's that, that, those are the names that you consider, and to the point that we were talking that we were making, there really is a gigantic drop-off from Jerry Rice to number two, and I, you know, as far as that goes, I was talking about it later, in the uh, in the green room with Heath Evans, formerly of the Saints and uh, and Patriots, to to name drop, and I, I w- we were we continued this conversation. He had an interesting point, and I don't know. I'll be interested to get uh, the guy seated across from me right now. His opinion on this. Heath Evans said, if Jerry Rice were in the NFL right now, he would be just another wide receiver because at the time Jerry Rice was considered to be a big 
wide out, which he wouldn't be any longer. He's 6'2". He'd be of average size, about 200 pounds. And even though he never was known as a burner, he would be downright slow among wide receivers these days. How say you? Let's say hello to him. You know him from NFL.com as well as NFL Fantasy Live. Right now he's got up there his power rankings. His picks are coming up for you for week nine. We'll do our Red Challenge flag segment with him where we pick some big games. And uh, also... All sorts of talk right now at NFL.com from this guy and many others on the midseason. We've reached the mid uh, season po- mid- the midway point in the season. There's a new uh, shame slash check report up there for your perusal as well at NFL.com. Let's say hello to him. It's Elliot Harrison. What's the poop, fella? Hey, man, I, I, I got to jump in right there with where you uh, teed me up. Jerry Rice. Here's the deal. Jerry Rice ran a 4.59. That was the fastest he ever ran. Okay, so basically a 4.6. It's real easy to say all these guys are bigger, faster, stronger today. That's not true because uh, I'm going to tell you a little story. Brian Baldinger, who works for us, he told me his favorite game was Cowboys-Patriots 1984. I had a copy of the game that I got for him, and I thought, you know, I'm going to watch it. So I was watching the pregame. The Patriots had four wide receivers on the roster, including Stanley Morgan, who I'm sure you remember, and Irving, Irving Fryer, right. who all ran a sub 445. Hmm. How many teams right now have four wide receivers that run a sub four four five? And this was in 1984, mind you. Players aren't faster. Maybe at certain positions they might be faster, but wide receivers aren't any faster well, than they the were. but the combo of speed and size, though. Jerry Rice could make up for the lack of speed. I mean, I don't think that, off the top of my head, this is a terrible example, but Alshon Jeffrey, who's at least been coming on of late, is not a burner, but he's big at least. Jerry Rice would be neither. I'm not saying I agree with Heath Evans, but I, I'm I got just you. Curious. But if you it's look at good if you, point, if you look at all of Jerry Rice's touchdowns, they're not touchdowns where he's being thrown back shoulder fades like Calvin Johnson. He's out leaping people or Randy Moss. They're all timing patterns because the best thing about Jerry Rice would not change now. Every route looked the same. Every route, everything he did looked the same. So corners didn't have any tells with him. They didn't know when he was running an out versus when he was running a post. I don't think those things ever go out of style. And I'm just going to throw one other name at you. I think you have to consider Lance Allworth if you're going to mention. Ah, yes. First AFL player nominated for the Hall of Fame, 1965, in 14 games. 14 games, he had 1,600 yards and 14 touchdowns. Going well, back to EH's point, though, like, yeah, you can teach speed, so, you know, guys are going to be as fast as they, as they are then and now, but the physicality, getting bigger, getting stronger, that you can't teach. The reason why the players today are bigger and stronger is because of workout routines, because of, of nutrition. If Jerry Rice was in today's game, I'm sure he'd be bigger and stronger because he would be He would learn it, right? Oh. Fair exactly. point. I, I'm not, I really am not. I just like throwing out the argument because it's uh, at least it caught my ear. You should and ask Rod Woodson about this? that. Well, we have Rod Woodson coming up momentarily here. This is a real treat for you, EH, as someone who loves kibitzing about the history of football and same as me, and he so just so happens to be a Pittsburgh Steelers legend. And, you know, it's a great thing. We used to see him knocking around the uh, hallways here until he uh, until he went off to do some coaching, and now he's doing some broadcasting for Westwood One. And, um, he, you know, I, I, I talked to him about that. I said, well, you know, who do you identify with? You know, if, if one team as a fan now that you're retired, what's the team you now root for if you have to pick? And he lives in the Bay Area, and he said the Steelers. And that, that, that that's enough for me. That's enough for now. Now I'm a fan for life. You know, I, I enjoyed him already. But now, you know, if he said, because I don't know, maybe he would say the Ravens or something like that. And then I'd be then I'd be sick in my gut 
I still haven't gotten over here and Terry Bradshaw say, I went when interviewed once about five, six years ago, say the one regret I have in my career is that I didn't get to play for the Raiders. That would have been cool to play for Al Davis. And I vomited. How dare uh, you? You didn't know it wasn't enough getting those rings in Pittsburgh? You know, I, I, Outrageous. I'll tell you, and it may have been a little premature but at the time, but to even be in the conversation, the fact that Rod Woodson was entering his eighth year in the league when the NFL named their your, their all-time team, their 75th anniversary team, and he was one of the corners. And he's entering his eighth year. I mean, he hadn't even done half the things yet. He hadn't won it with the Ravens yet. He hadn't had the knee issue uh, in 95 where he came back and played the Super Bowl. None of the, He hadn't even done that yet, and he'd already been named to the NFL's all-time team. I saw him play live. Interesting point. I can't wait to let him know about that. Um, I saw him play live when he was still at Purdue, when he was a schoolboy, when he was highly wow. regarded and played both sides of the ball. All right, hey, it's midseason of 2013, and EH, I've gone on and at NFL.com. You can see me rave again about Aaron Rodgers. I feel like that is the, the, the thing that we're sleeping on a little bit collectively is the greatness of Aaron Rodgers. We're watching the greatest of all time, and we're busy talking about anything but that. But all right, let's talk about what you're going, what, what you're talking about. Your midseason all pros are up there right now. Do you want to share with us your broad strokes? What is the most pleasant surprise to you so far this year? Well, if my pleasant surprise, unfortunately, did not make the All-Pro team because Peyton Manning, to me, has to be the quarterback and he has to be the MVP. But, geez, Phillip Rivers, how could there be? If, if there was yeah. any other, if I had any way of squeezing one more guy on this team, it would have been Phillip Rivers. Uh, a, a surprise, more of a, a smaller guy or, or smaller name is Jason Hatcher of the Dallas Cowboys, defensive tackle. Their defense has been terrible. They're playing guys off the street. And he just keeps excelling. I believe he has seven sacks, which from defensive tackle in eight games is a sick figure. The guy is unblockable. And to think that the, the guy barely even played his first couple years in the league, he's just outstanding. What player has been the most disappointing to you so far? Oof. Wow. You know, Michael Vick has been disappointing only because, once again, he can't stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Remember how – I think it, it's amazing – how distant the opening Monday night game against the Redskins seems now. I mean, how fired up were people on Twitter while that game was going on? Like, oh, you know, the Eagles offense is going to just revolutionize the NFL. You thought Michael Vick was going to have a monster year for as long as he could stay healthy. Then what happened? It's interesting. And Jeremiah, I know we keep uh, talking about him uh, putting him up on, uh, uh, you know, putting him into a Hall of Fame of some sort, I guess, because I keep referring to what he did, what he had to say. But it really was a, a fascinating thought that he said. He said he's talked, he talks to a lot of coaches and they all are stealing stuff from Chip Kelly. That the, that the as he said, the revolution is real. It's just that he, he can't keep a quarterback healthy to run his system. But every, but the rest of the NFL has taken note, and no one thinks that. Whoa, what Chip Kelly? Because I I dug into him pretty good on the Sheck report this week. Chip Kelly and this illusion, this uh, that, that uh, Jeffrey Lurie could sue him for fraud at this point for being an offensive wizard. Huh. But uh, but uh, anyway, that's interesting. Yeah, but, Mike Vick. At some point, I, you know, it's not fair to say a guy is hurt, so he's disappointing, but. At this point, when you're Mike Vick, it really is. I mean, that is the story. It's. I mean, anybody who plays fantasy football knows that. Yeah, you can't. He's an undraftable guy because you know that this is coming. And I think I. I think we've gotten to a point, and maybe Black Tie has a different opinion, where people are actually rooting for Michael Vick now. I. I, I really don't think there are a lot of Michael Vick haters uh, left out there. Some people are indifferent. I think people are tired of seeing him hurt all the time. 
Yeah, I, I that's think they want to see is. what he can do. Yeah, that's what I think it is more so. It's uh, people are indifferent for one, and not as there's not as much vitriol to his uh, going to get, going up against him as like before. And plus, people just people are just tired of seeing him hurt. It's like, dude, you always hurt. Like, who's going to take another chance on him? Like, what's the point of bringing him into a team when you know he's only going to give you at max like eight eight games? Right. It's, it, it it's really analogous, I think, to Danny Amendola. I, I mean. People are tired of talking yeah, right. about Danny Am- Danny Amendola is tired of talking about his injuries, and the Patriots committed a lot of money to him. And once again, he's hurt, just like he's been two of the last three yeah, years. But it's even worse with a quarterback because you're sure. tailoring your system to a QB, and you totally can replace agree. a wide receiver, but with a quarterback, it's you might as well just not even bring him into your camp. Um, real quick, EH, uh, as we wait for Rod Woodson here, give me a team that is looking good right now that is an illusion and is going to fall back to the pack in the second half of the year. Ooh, well, I think unfortunately, well, I guess it, it depends on your idea of looking good. I don't think Kansas City is as good as their record indicates. They've struggled against Houston. They struggled uh, last week against Cleveland. I think they lose one of their matchups to San Diego, and I think they lose both games to Denver. I still think they'll finish twelve and four. If I had to go the other side of it. Uh, a team that I think could sneak in the playoffs is the San Diego Chargers. I actually hmm. think the two wild cards will be the Kansas City Chiefs five seed and San Diego six seed. It's funny, people. I get I get grief every time I I make predictions about how the th- teams are going to be seeded, and I say five six. I you know this year I start I'm going to be wrong obviously, but I said that the Rams and. Uh, and uh, Seahawks were going to get the two wild cards, and the Niners would win the division. Obviously, I'm way off on how that's going to shake out. But people say two wild cards from the same division. Do, do you Come pay on. attention to football? It's like, yeah, I do, and it happens a lot. And that happens even more now because if a division happens to be talented, you are playing. A, if you happen to stack up, you get the, by the luck of the draw. You are playing a bum division that is lousy. If you get if that's your draw in a given year, your division gets a bad division then you're all going to make hay against the bad division. All of you are going to have a good record, and as a result, you sneak into the playoffs that way. Absolutely. Look at uh, 20, oh. 2011. Uh, Baltimore made it. They went to the AFC Championship. Pittsburgh got beat by Tim Tebow in the uh, wild card, and Cincinnati went to Houston and lost at Reliant. Three yep. playoff teams. It, happen- it happens way more than you than, than you think it does. So what team is, because the Chargers, I, I can't let you off the hook at that. They're 4-3, and three and they're under the radar, but they're not playing badly. Um, at this point, and I'll. By the way, if you're the Chargers, maybe they'll still figure out a way into the playoffs. But the one that has to make you sick is that uh, is that Week One game against Houston that you had them beat. Oh, if they, yes. You give them that one, then you're talking about five and two. That's right. If, if the now hurt Brian Cushing doesn't make an incredible diving interception deep in San Diego's territory, boy, the Chargers would be five and three. Uh, th- that's a great point. It's, but if you're talking about a team that's that's really truly under the radar. I don't. I don't know if you can say the Carolina Panthers are under the radar anymore, Dave. I mean, I would. Say, I would have said that a week ago. No, but... I won't stand for it. They're four and three. Okay. You can't say a team that's going to do well in the second half has a winning record in the first half. A team that is at worst, I'll allow you to say one that is five hundred. Okay, but that. But not, that's as as far as I'll let you go. Okay. Well, if that's as far as you'll let me go, I'm going to tell you right now that there's not one team. That, I, that is currently under 500 that I think is going to make the playoffs. Hmm. If I had to pick the closest— Who's going to have a winning record? The, the closest thing to what you're talking about to me would be the Bears. I still don't think the Bears are done. They're 4-3, and three, but nobody thinks of them that way because they're missing Briggs. Right. They're, they have all these injuries. But they're actually—they have a pretty good backup quarterback as compared to— 
to other teams. I would rather have McCown than a lot of the backups across the league. And I think the Bears can beat any team in the North when they're right, including the Packers. I honestly, I, I hadn't considered this until I asked it of you. I wasn't going to give my answer. The Dolphins are interesting. I don't, I don't think the Ravens. I think they're going to make a push because look at their record the rest of the way. It is cupcake after cupcake. But the problem for them is that's also the case for the Bengals. They're, they, you know, yes. if the Bengals win in two weeks against the Ravens, the division will be pretty much over with. Um, so I don't think they're going to get into. Uh, they're not going to steal the North. But I could be wrong on that one. Um, the I think the Texans are legitimately done. I think the Titans are going to have a better second half than they did first half, and they were pretty close to having a strong first half. You could almost make Jake Locker's got to run more. I don't know why he does not run more. I think you're going to see it. The last three weeks, I keep calling it out more and more with each passing week. Here comes the pistol, and anybody who can run it is going to is going to have success doing it. So watch out for them. Last thing, the New York Giants. They're two and six. They're a joke, so on and so forth. Nope. Can they get back into no. this lousy division? Race? No, I, I don't like the I mean, Giants. they're in it now. They're only two games They're back. in it, and I know that's the chic thing. Everyone's bringing it up. Kind of like everyone told you ad nauseum how the Rams went 4-1-1 in the division. If I have to hear that the Rams, you know, <laughs> tie the Niners and beat the Niners and Seahawks one more time, I'm going to throw up. But I, I definitely think the Giants are done. They don't play well defensively. Eli Manning turns the football over. They're, they're running back. We're talking about Andre Brown. Like being the second coming. Andre Brown is Andre Brown. The uh, the offense is completely out of sync. And let's not forget, they're one and two in the division already. I mean, mm-hmm. they've already lost to Dallas once. So the best they can hope for is a division split. And and that's a problem. And the other thing that's that's going against the Giants right now is they're two and a half back by virtue of that loss. Right. They're not just two games back. They're two and a half back. It's not like we got 10 or 11 games to play. We only have eight games to play. Have they really played that well that you could see them going six and two down the back stretch? Really? No, I can't. No, I can't. But you know, listen, they're they're suddenly back in it because they're in a crummy division. So I so I bring them up. Um, last thing, real quick. So KC is going to get one of the two wild cards. You say the Chargers will get the other. Who is going to get? We know that the Seahawks are. I mean, the uh, I'm sorry, the Niners are at worst going to get. Well, it'll either be the Seahawks or Niners. Probably the Niners are your five seed, but who's going to get that other one? Because it's pretty interesting. The Cardinals are there lurking. You know, they're four and four, and they're not bad. And Bruce Arians has had some success. We Everybody talks about the Colts last year. I, you know, Carson Palmer is pretty crummy, and the more people I talk to who are breaking down X's and O's say, boy, I don't think it's out about how bad he is. So, all right, let's rule them out. So, to me, it's Carolina, it's Chicago, it's Detroit. Who gets it? I think it's the Carolina Panthers. You look at their conference record right now; it's four and two. So is Detroit's, but Carolina and Detroit has a better record. Detroit's five and three. Carolina already had their bye; they're four and three. But Carolina can play defense. They're giving up the second fewest points in the league. And look at their division right now. Tampa Bay is horrible. Okay, Atlanta is completely decimated. They don't have Julio Jones. Stephen Jackson's been hurt. Roddy White's been playing hurt, and and their defense already wasn't great. I mean, we could agree on that with the Falcons. It was all about their offense. Yes, they have two games for the Saints. They'll probably lose them both. Who cares? Doesn't mean they still can't go ten and six or nine and seven and get that six seed. All right, EH. Here's what we'll do because Rod Woodson is going to be here in a minute. We'll stop down here. You go do your network hit right now, and Rod Woodson will presumably be coming in. And as soon as you're done, I don't want you to miss out on Rod Woodson. 
come come right back. Oh, and we also got to do the red challenge flag segment too. Don't forget. So we got to make your uh, your picks on the big games. Go, Michael Fabiano coming up for fantasy as well. Oh yes, we got Fabiano for a midseason fantasy report, and your foe in the red challenge flag segment is a surprise this week. We got a special. Uh, foe for you to challenge this week all right let's uh let's uh, stop not, it down and is get it bane it's not it's not bane but i don't I, I'm, that's all i'm gonna say about it like i was wondering what would break first your spirit or your body all right that, that's it i think i do a better bane than you oh wow this You've, is a challenge go ahead let's hear it. go ahead and do it <clears throat> you think darkness is your ally that's not bad speak of the devil he shall appear. <laughs> that, was, that was atrocious. That second one was really bad. What's wrong with did did Bane suffer a head injury or something in that second one? I don't know what happened yeah, to him there. It's a different line. No, not very good. Not very good. Like what's what, what Speak of the devil, and he shall appear. See, that's pretty good. I, re- I turn to you, E.H. Which uh, one's better? I, Black Tie, I love you, man. I really do. But, <laughs> but dude, that's not even it's not, close, not, man. No, yeah, it's not one of my strong suits. I figured I'd give it a shot, though. You All do right. Bane like Andre Brown is the second coming. All right, here he comes. You go. Don't talk to him on your way out the door. Here he is, everybody. And this is not just uh, my usual hooey and applesauce. This isn't just a Hall of Famer. This is one of the very best if not the best, to ever play his position in the NFL. I'm a big fan. I'm from uh, Pittsburgh, PA, after all. He's one of the best to ever wear that uh, that glorious helmet that has the logo only on one side of it. It's Rod Woodson. What's the poop, fella? What's going on? The poop. Is that like a Pittsburgh lingo? I don't know. You lived in Pittsburgh for a long time. Everybody, everybody, yeah, but yeah. I wasn't there for – I wasn't – you know, I wasn't born or raised there. I know they have their own little things like – Yen up was it? Yen up? Yens, yeah. Yens, Yens are gonna go downtown for the uh, for the game for no, the Steelers game this weekend. They have that and there's red up. That's what it is, isn't it? Isn't red up mean like clean up? Clean oh the yeah, room or something like that. <laughs> I know they have that little book. It's like what twenty five to thirty pages where it talks oh, yeah. about the Pittsburgh lingo. It's oh, Yens are yeah. The Yens are speak. Warsh is a big one. Yens gum bands instead of rubber bands. Oh, it goes on and on. When I went, first got there and they said yens, I thought they were talking about Chinese money. I had no <laughs> idea what they were talking about. <laughs> I have to say, I listen, I love uh, I love the city of Pittsburgh, but I do also say that has got to be the least attractive accent in America. It's different. Yeah, it's weird it's sounding. Different. Yeah, It's definitely different. I have to tell you, no one will care about this, including you but me, but I feel obliged to say it anyway. In 1985... I went with Pitt to uh, with Mike Godfrey, the head coach at the time, the Pitt Panthers. I paid a visit to ross Aid Stadium when you were a senior with uh, Purdue, and you were playing with one Jeff George. He came out, he threw two touchdown passes in the first, I think, three or four minutes of the game. You guys were up 14 nothing. I think the final was 42-14 Pitt, but do you remember that game? It was, but you're a little off on the year. Well, the year's right, but it wasn't Jeff George in '85. That was, uh, that was um, Jim Everett. No, yes, it was Jim Everett. Excuse me. Yeah, it was Jim Everett. Jim was a quarterback. Jeff was the quarterback my senior year. That was my sophomore year. Oh, well, I remember. No, excuse the- me. That was my junior year. My fault. That was my junior year, and Pitt came back and beat us. Uh, in a close game, we had opportunity to win, and Jeff was running a bootleg, and he 
Receivers wide open, and he threw it right I in the I was at that game, too. That was in Pitt Stadium. That was the season opener, and Purdue was, or at least Jim Everett was being touted as a Heisman guy right. at that point. I was at that game. That was Jim Everett. That was uh, – that, that was, was – so- that was Everett who rolled to his left, and he tried to throw. He had the guy was wide open. Was about uh, the distance from me to you. That was and he 85. threw in his feet. That was eighty five. Jeff George played with me my senior year. Okay, then so that was eighty seven. That was then. well eighty six year. Eighty six. Eighty yeah six eighty six eighty seven. Um, what do you what, what do you make of uh, the career at the time that uh, you you got to look at Jeff George? Obviously, he was highly considered. What do you make now, all these years later, of the career Jeff George put together? I mean, he had a great career, uh, you know, not the one that, you know, I, I think everybody thought he could have. Yeah, because he was – the youngsters out there may not know, but when Jeff George was in high school and even into college, people were saying, oh, this is going to be the next guy. This is the next big one in the history of the NFL. You know, his freshman year, we were in spring training or something. I don't know what it was, but he rolled out to his right. He planted through underhand – Back across the field, outside the numbers, strike. Hmm. I'm like, what in the world? And it's just he had that much talent, and it just didn't, you know, it just didn't really come together in the National Football League. He would put stretches together of having some good games. I think everybody saw that talent, uh, but everybody saw the bad games too. Uh, he was just inconsistent, but man, just pure God-given ability. Man, he had it. And people love him too. His teammates, at least, right? I mean, the 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 notion that Jeff George was unpopular is is false. Unpopular with his teammates within the locker room. Yeah, yeah. The players loved him. He's a good guy to be around. Um, I think what he did. I think sometimes he challenged the coaches. Coaches don't like that. Ah, uh. you know. I, I think the real good coaches can handle it. The coaches he had didn't like it. What do you make of then Des Bryant's behavior? Because this is, uh, it, it's it's easy to say Des Bryant shouldn't carry on like that on the sidelines. But then again, there are so many examples, and we we hear it all the time. We hear praise for Michael Jordan doing that to his teammates. We see Peyton Manning and Tom Brady do it to their guys. Nobody bats an eye about that. What's the difference between those guys and Des Bryant carrying on? Well, I mean, you know, to me, first of all, when you looked at the one, the little spat between Dez and Tony Romo. Dez was just really talking about nobody can handle us. We are mm-hmm. the best in the league. What's wrong with that? Who cares? Nothing. I, I, I agree I want, completely. I want my guy to do that. I really do. I, I want my guys to be that. I don't know what was going on with Jason Witten and Dez Bryant. I, I never heard the audio of that one. I don't have a problem with Dez being on the sideline and wanting to win. I really don't. I think sometimes, you know, when you look at that situation – Dez is one of those guys that has a lot of uh, baggage. It's not really bad baggage, but has some baggage with him. So anything he does is over-scrutinized. Mm. And then when you deal with any of the quarterbacks or great players, especially, let's just talk about football, any of the quarterbacks that will get to that situation and do that, they're praised for it. He's a great leader. Mm-hmm. He has moxie. He's going to get in your face. But then if Dez does it, don't act like that on the sideline. You're carrying like a little child. You're, you're, you're distracting from the team. You know, uh, I think it's hypocritical. Um, I think Dez has all the right to be that way because he believes his football team is good. He believes that he's a great player, and I think he's on the verge of being a great player because the guy's made some lot of great plays for him, and he's really the only playmaker that that offense really has. Yeah, well, agreed. And in spite of the fact that you have future Hall of Famer Jason Witten and some other people out there, you he think is he's a clear. Hall of Famer. 
you know, well, I mean, listen, statistically, there, I don't know how you would be able to keep him out. Well, I love this. Why? You know what? This I don't is think what he's I a Hall of Famer. Wow. I don't. I don't think Jason. I, I love his numbers. The numbers are there, but we're going to have to get to a point in our league that you can't go by numbers anymore. That's true. You can't. You just you now. With that being said, the question mark is this: When you play against Jason Witten, do you have? Did you ever game plan against him? We never did. Mm-hmm. We went to play him a couple of times, but we never game plan against him. So, you know, that's the question. Um, I just don't think he is, and especially when I look at Shannon Sharp. It took Shannon several years to get into it. Tony Gonzalez, he might be the first tight end to go in on first ballot. Hmm. There's no tight end's ever been on the first ballot. So Tony might be the first one to do that. Kellen Winslow didn't go in on a first ballot? Really? No, it's, it's crazy, right? Wow. Look who's joining us now, Dallas Cowboys fan, Elliot Harrison. GQ. Eh, don't, don't. Three you're only encouraged. Suit. You're only encouraging that sort of thing. Three P. This is one of my favorite colleagues ever right here. Yeah, I, well, I love him too. His uh, suit is awesome, man. That's you like the three I mean, anytime we can have Delton Hall join us in the studio, I'll get excited. No, no, no. You're confused. Not That's not the right Steelers corner. Oh. No. Yeah, no. Played on the other please, side. Oh. Please don't say I'm Delton Hall. <laughs> no. <laughs> Belton Delton. Hey, let me tell you this. We just we just veered into something that I have wanted to do for some time. And, in fact, we brought it up. People on Twitter hit me up with good names for this segment. The correct name for it is, and I, I, I will give you credit for it, listener. Thank you for the uh, for the tweet. It is Hall or Nothing. That's it. Well, I, I want to ask a gold jacket guy whether or not guys playing currently or maybe who just retired will get their gold jacket. And if they deserve it, I'm going to bring you up to speed, Elliot. He just said Jason Witten doesn't deserve a gold jacket. That's a tough one. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think he's a slam dunk. Uh, you know, I always have a hard time because I write our Hall of Fame stuff here and I'm, I'm always trying to prognosticate. And you can't you're not in that room. You're not sitting no, there with the voters. We and, don't vote, right? And so you're. It's you should much, get a vote. Who should get a vote besides you guys? Why would the Why would the writers get it? That's a or great, at least or at least why question. wouldn't you get a percent? I swear it would be more interesting if it was one third. Well, I don't know the the balance, but the writers fine. But also players, the guys I, in the hall should have it, and then maybe like ten percent fans. This is what I say: no fans. This is what I say: they get forty four voters, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we get. That's what you get mm-hmm. for the, in the Hall of Fame. Thirty-three should be writers. Eleven should be players who are in the Hall of Fame. You rotate that seat. The problem I have with the format, the way it's given now, some of those AP writers who don't even follow football anymore, they have they vote for life. Yeah, they don't even follow it. Well, why? You, so, so why do the writers get kissed in and the fans don't? I'm just saying, I think that's more of a way where they can give in. But at the end of the day, it's not about what the league wants or what the Hall of Famers want. The Pro Football Hall of Fame committee has to agree upon that. That's an individual committee itself. It's not ran by the National Football League. It's not the NFL Hall of Fame. It's the Pro Football Hall of that, Fame. So that's, that's something that they have to deal with. That's mm-hmm. right. As a matter of fact, if you're – I just mentioned that I write our Hall of Fame stuff. If you're an NFL.com person like myself, you cannot be uh, a Hall of Fame voter. You have to be a writer for a third, uh, party, a, right. a third party. But here's oh, the thing. Right? Here's the thing. If you're writing for a Minneapolis paper, obviously you're going to nominate guys like Randall McDaniel and, and former – not that Randall McDaniel didn't deserve it, but but you get the point. Um, regarding Jason Witten, though, I think that's interesting. I, I think the problem there is that every time you see a Cowboys game, which is a lot because they're a national draw, 
what do they always say? Ah, oh, Romo's throwing to a security blanket, you know, and, and Witten is so famous. I think the fame combined with the production, I think he makes it. Uh, you have to admit his production. I mean, he set a record last year for most catches by a tight end in the season. That's some pretty heady company. Yeah, but, but I, I think, and I, we just talked about this, mm-hmm. I think the, where the league is at today and the way it's formatted with the rules set up, their numbers are just staggering. Okay, I think agree. about the first 75 years of pro football. How many 5,000-yard five, 5, passes do we have? One. Yep. The analogy, the analogy always for me is baseball. Ba- I mean, J- uh, Dave Parker and George Foster and Steve Garvey, probably at least two of those names belong in baseball's Hall of Fame. But they're but the numbers are so warped since they retired that now you look at their numbers and you say, oh, those are awfully pedestrian. That's not a Hall of Famer. Same thing. Great receivers now are slept on. And I'll tell you one that Elliot and I, I know, park our cars in the same garage on. Drew Pearson. How that guy's not in the Hall of Fame seems cuckoo to me. If you look at look at Gail Sayers, his numbers are pedestrian. He got hurt, yes, we all know that. But when you hit the eye, when the eye sees the game with him in it, you go, man, that guy can play. Right. I mean, he had vision like no other running back ever to play. Mm-hmm. And you know, outside of Jim Brown, Jim Brown had great vision too. But to me, I just think you got to get you got to be very careful. Moving forward, how you look at elite players. I like Jason Wooden. I think he's a good player. I think he's solid. But when I compare him to the great tight ends, I just don't know if I put him in that category. And I think you shouldn't be – longevity is a good thing. But, you know, I don't I don't want to say it's the longevity gets you in because you have good numbers. Mm-hmm. And there's some running backs that are coming up that are like that now. Oh, you bet. I agree. I, I I agree with where you're going with this because longevity too often is is ranked too highly. I, it definitely counts. Obviously, if you couldn't, if you you know, uh, I swoon all the time over John Jefferson who predates you in the NFL. But I mean, he for a two or three year window, boy, he was wonderful. But of course, it, his career doesn't measure out as being Hall of Fame worthy because he couldn't do it for any amount of time. But again, just because you, uh, you know, Fran Tarkenton threw for way more yards than Joe, Joe Montana did, nobody thinks Fran Tarkenton's better than Joe Montana. It's a, it's, I guess it's a measuring against your peer group at the time you're playing. You and is Jason Witten better than Antonio Gates? Does he compare to Antonio Gates at this point to Vernon Davis? To Absolutely. I mean, like, those I, guys are superior I, that, to him. That's why, where I would – see, I agree with your – thoughts on on catching the ball and the passing numbers now the only thing i'll say about witten is if if jason witten's not a hall of famer then i don't know that gates and gonzalez are because gates and gonzalez aren't asked to block jason witten isn't actually the closest thing we have actually heath miller is a very good example of a tight end that's been asked to block and catch the ball witten's just been the best at it i'm not saying jason witten's a great inline blocker i'm i'm not i'm not that's a strong i'm not saying that but he's not jimmy graham where they just line him up outside have a size advantage, and he's basically a glorified wide receiver. All that being aside, Jason Witten aside, to me, Rod, and it was the same way when I when I thought about your Hall candidacy, can you think of this guy as being the best one or two guys at his position when he played? When you played, to me, it was you and Dion were the best corners, okay? Has Jason Witten consistently been one of the best one or two tight ends in the league? I would say he has. But that's tough. I'll take Vernon Davis over him take over Vernon the Davis? last five years. Better blocker. You talk about the blocking aspect of it as a tight end. I think so consistent. 
But my question is, is it consistency to get you in the Hall of Fame, or do you have to be great? Is the Hall of Fame that's very good, or do you have to be great? I don't vote. He probably will get in because of his numbers, and he's a likable guy. I mean, he's a great guy. Everybody I've talked Does to that knows Jason – it counts. I've always said. I've always said. If I became a Hall voter, I would vote for Terrell Davis yesterday, because when he was in the league, Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith, Marshall Falk were all in the league, and Terrell Davis was the best with those oh, guys. Absolutely. With those guys in the league, and then you always hear the same argument with him. He didn't play long enough, which I agree with you guys. But you can say the same thing about Gail Sayers. Exactly. And then they say, well, look at all the Broncos running backs that ran for 1,000 yards. There's a big difference between running for 2,008 yards <laughs> right. and 1,700 and running for 1,050 yards and six touchdowns. You know, there, there's a – Which is like, what is it, 50, 65 yards a game or something Exactly. Like that. It's not hard. Yeah, yeah. I, I could run for about 800 in the NFL. I mean, what do you think, Dave? Do you think Terrell Davis, Hall of Famer yeah, or no? I definitely think he's a Hall of Famer. Let's play it. All right, let's play Hall or nothing real quick. Let's blow through some names. Yes or no answers. Rod Woodson, who has his gold jacket. Elliot, who has doesn't have a gold jacket, but he does have a three-piece suit. So sweet I guess a that's sweet a sweet suit too. You really Thank like you. that one, I huh? Like the suit. Aqua I like blue. You. I don't know. It's a little too colorful for me. It's a little, the suit's not aqua blue. I know, but I, I'm not. It's the accessories. Many, we're going too much pastel these days, don't you think so, Rod? Too many, too much latitude with the color shirt you're allowed to well, wear you know, with your I suit mean, and Jamie, tie. who's the wardrobe person here at the NFL Network, she has gotten me into different colors, so. I like the mix-up. I like turquoise I like and brown. It. I like it. I do. I like it. Suit yourself. It I'm, good I have you. a classic style. You don't know. you. At my style, when I put on the suit and tie, I'm like Bo Brummel, who once a noted fashion critic, who once said, I believe, I said something about the, the, the mark of a well-dressed man is one whose clothes you don't notice. You see? You understand? Like, I wear black suits. Because they're wrinkled. And no. <laughs> yeah. No, this is wrinkled. Them. Don't judge me on this, Woodson. I'm not going to have. All right, let's do some names real quick here. Skinny jeans and Converse. That's well, damn shirk right there. Not when yeah. I wear a suit, though. I look divine. Yeah. Now, listen. Woodson and EH. Let's blow through some names here. Jerome Bettis, Hall of Famer. Mm, man. You why don't want to say it. Why do you have to go with my buddy like that? Well, I know what your answer is. I think you've just said it all. I think it's tough, man. You know, I, I look at Jerome. I, I love his career. I think he will get in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I just don't know if I was voting. If I had to vote and it was Jerome and TD, I'm taking TD first. Interesting. I agree 100%. I think he's Hall of Very Good. I think he gets in eventually. But do, do when I look at Jerome Bettis, do I say, man, that is one of the elite players of all time. Let me no. say this. I don't want to go against what I said four minutes ago here about uh, longevity isn't everything. But in that case in particular, there is no, in the history of the NFL, there's no one who is a big bruiser like that, take you head on instead of try to run around you, type of guy from Earl Campbell what? to anybody else. Earl, John you Riggins. Just said, you just said Earl Campbell and John Riggins. That's two right there. Well, no, but, I, but I'm, ta- I'm talking in terms of longevity that Riggins. he was still doing it at that. Well, John Riggins. Riggins yeah. it's but, but most of those guys wear out. They, yes. they fizzle out because they take such a beating. They're done by season six. It's a great six. point. He played, he, he played, played forever. He played how many? 15 years? I don't know if it was Who, that which one? It was a long uh, Jerome, time. Jerome, yeah, Jerome long Bettis time. played 13, 13, 13 yeah. years. 13? Riggins, Riggins played uh, 14, and Riggins was darn good. All right. I, well, you know what? To cut it short, because you got to go do fancy TV stuff, some real quick things for you. Uh, Jerry Jones said that he believes that Dion could take away Calvin Johnson to some degree. He could, he could slow him down or shut him down, I believe. What do you think about that? Probably could have. Could you? I wouldn't. I wouldn't back down from Calvin Johnson. Well, He's a big boy now. He is big. But you know what? The one thing he 
I, what, one thing I love about Calvin Johnson, he's big, he's physical, he's, a, he's consistent. But for me, big receivers didn't bother me. Hmm. But you it have size. A, it, was a, it was a small receiver who can create the separation on their breaks that bothered me more than anything. A guy like him might have been like, oh, give me your chest. I'm going to jam the snot out of you. You're not going to outrun me. You're not outjumping me. I don't care if you're 6'3". You're not outjumping me. So so mean, can you give an example like Ernest Givens, Drew Hill, that kind of small receiver? Like who, who are we talking about? like that, you know, Webster Slaughter, guys who are quick in and out of their breaks, you know, guys you don't really think about a whole bunch. But, you know, guys just when they did it, for a hot second, they got a, a yard away from you. I mean, those guys I had problems with. The big guys really didn't. I saw that comment from, you know, Mr. Jones. Uh, maybe Dion could have. What about – all right, let's Every get... elite player has a window. And in my window, I would have want to match up with Calvin Jones. All right, so in your window versus his window, you can only have one guy. Deion Sanders or Rod Woodson? Who's better? Ooh. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about all of it. I can't can't talk about it. You can talk about it. This is what I would say. What's in your heart? This is what I would say. I prided myself on being a complete player. I can play zone. I can play man. I can play nickel. I can play dime. I can play free. I can play strong. I can blitz. I can return kicks, punts. So far, everything he said, I wish they would have let me play receiver but i had chuck no chuck was like no way <laughs> <laughs> am i allowed to can i field this one i i i i'd really like to chime i just want to point out i want you to i want to say one thing in your favor in that playoff game down in the astrodome against uh, the houston oilers where you jarred the bar ball free and then gary anderson makes the 53 yarder Deion sanders wouldn't have ever done that because you popped the, i don't even remember who the ball carrier it was. was a white Lorenzo White. Lorenzo White. Yep. You wow. talking about eighty nine wall card? Yeah. I remember that game. Oh, that was what. I then was you like, and then they darn near took out Denver at Mile High. I mean, that, that, they should have. We should have. Tim Worley fumbled before the oh, end of the Tim half. Worley. I talked with Merrill Hodge on more than one occasion about that game. He still he still is sick about it because that's the best game Merrill Hodge ever had in in, in the NFL. He did. He played well. Definitely. But, I, but Hodge also says, let me just say this to him. Rod uh, Merrill Hodge tells me. Uh, after the Ravens and Steelers AFC title game three years ago, I said, that's got to be the, the nastiest hitting affair I've ever seen. Three Ravens were knocked unconscious on the field. He said, no, no. Watch some of those old Oilers-Steelers games in the 80s. Those were harder hitting. Oilers-Steelers in the 80s and Cleveland Browns when they had Kevin Mack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, Kevin Mack was a beast. That was the I played 17 years. That was the only guy that I was a little nervous about hitting because he knocked out Greg Lloyd. This is all in one game now. <laughs> he knocked out Greg Lloyd, two of our safeties, and Delton Hall. Yeah, In one game. <laughs> wow. Like, dude, come on, please. All right. I do not want to tackle this Rod guy. Woodson, I, I, you're going to get to make your point. Rod, unfortunately, won't hear it. Just say uh, the – because he's got to go do fancy TV stuff. Rod, we didn't even get into any of it. I wanted to talk Super Bowl thirty. the injustice of you guys not winning that one. All right, he's got to uh, – that, that was the game. That was the one that the Steelers should have had. makes me sick that, that to this day. I'm sure it makes you equally as sick. It was. All right, listen. And Tim Worley's fumble – we could have we could have been in another super. All right, listen. I want to hear. I could about have made my point by now. All right, all right, Tim you know what? Eh, go ahead and make your point. I want to tell. I want to tell Rod about my let, great let idea. EH, the steel let, curtain EH statues outside of Heinz Field. We should have the original front four. We now have lost three of those guys. Only mean Joe has left. Shouldn't we erect giant statues of the original steel curtain out there to it intimidate be, everybody? You know, it would be great. Of, 
being doing something very similar to what they're doing in Mile High. Yeah. They're you know they're putting statues of their guys in the in the Wall of Fame. Wouldn't up. that be cool? I think that'd be awesome. All right, so all right. Rod Woodson. Can I get ten seconds? Yeah, say I, I, say what you have to say. They asked me to pick. Don't a, insult him. Though. A fiftieth anniversary Hall of Fame team. All the top players. My two corners were Dick Knight, Train Lane, and yourself. And I took you over Dion, and over his vote for Mel Blount. Okay, because because of everything you just said, the versatility, including switching to safety late in your career. I said, that's the kind of guy you want to have in your secondary, somebody that knows how to play other positions, who can force a fumble, who can make a pick. Dion was a little bit, a little bit, one, I call him two-dimensional. He could cover and he could return. And that's, you know, you need a corner that can be versatile. So there you can go. Can I get in on this, like too, since we're all asking Rod a quick question? Who are your top corners in the game today? Today? I like Patrick Peterson. I like uh, Janoris Jenkins. I think Darrell Rivas is still that guy. I like Richard Sherman. I just wish he wouldn't talk so much. Just let his game speak for itself because I think sometimes we forget how good he is because he says stupid things. Hmm. And we we just say, man, you don't think about he just played a great game because he'll, he'll, he'll mock somebody. He'll say something crazy afterwards. And we forget how good he is. I think he's there too. Um, I think those are the elite players. At the position. All right. Black ties waving. You are fun's over. Ben All right, guys. I appreciate it. Roethlisberger gets a gold jacket, right? Yeah, that's a good one. I have to think about that. More. He has two rings. <laughs> He's getting one, Woodson. Go. All right. He goes, goes, goes. All right. Woodson out the door of Studio 66. E.H. I love him. He's a nice fellow. He's one of my favorite. You know, this isn't a... Uh... We used to call it jock sniffing back in Texas, but uh, they still call it that around the country. Uh, do they? All right. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, uh, he is one of my favorite colleagues we've ever had here. Handles himself with complete class. Talks to everybody the same. Doesn't matter who it is. And uh, he's a true legend of the game. I mean, it, it's one thing to work with a former player. This guy was all pro at safety. He was all pro at qu- corner. Pro Bowler as a returner, I believe his first Pro Bowl appearance was from kickoff returns. This guy could literally do it all. The thing with him is, and, you know, he mentioned that he wishes he could have played both ways, uh, but Chaz Noel wouldn't have it. I, I, before you walked in, I, I was talking to him about the Purdue years. He played both sides of the ball when he was, uh, when he was playing at Ross Aid there, when he was playing in the Big Ten. He could, uh, he could do that. Um, dang, I wish I, I, there's so many other things I had to get Well, they had, him. you know, and Dave, you're a Pittsburgh guy. You can certainly. You, okay, I'll tell you what the, but my, I wanted to respond to what you were just saying there. The thing that hurts him in terms of uh, the the profile he has in the history of the NFL is hurt by he's was with the Pittsburgh Steelers who've won more Super Bowls than anybody. He just so happened to be in that window in the '80s when they didn't win any Super Bowls. So it's weird to even for the people who would push that. Generally speaking, are the are the local fans that this guy hold him up and then see if the Nash if the nation gravitates and embraces those players. And Terry Bradshaw has a different level of uh, of regard because he was the quarterback of the team that won four Super Bowls. Rod Woodson was dominating. He was arguably the best and at worst one A at his position. But they didn't get it done in any of the years. Um, and so had he, get, had he, you know, think about it. He comes back from that knee injury. He's the first guy. This is before Adrian Peterson and Jamal Charles and many examples of guys who can turn around fairly quickly. Woodson got hurt in the first game of the season that season, uh, that year against Detroit on a nasty juke yeah, loop by Barry Sanders. Yep. And he was back playing in the Super Bowl, unheard of at the time. The Steelers win that game. He is then, you know, 
put in the same ballpark as, as say, Jack Youngblood, playing on a broken leg and all that kind of stuff. He'd be a different – I mean, listen, he's already got his gold jacket and is considered one of the you know three or four best at his position, but I think he'd be even that much higher. You're a longtime Steelers guy. You look at that team, that, and I'm talking about the late 80s team that you're referring to. They drafted Woodson, Delton Hall, Thomas Everett, all in the same draft. I think they got Hardy Nickerson either that year or the next year. We're talking about some major young. I mean, Thomas Everett was a good player. Hardy Nickerson is one of the most underrated players in NFL history, if you ask me. Hmm. And then Greg Lloyd, they also got, I believe, in 87 or 88. That's a lot of good young talent. It's just they could never develop their offense. They could never get a number two for Lewis Lips, and then he went downhill. They never had a tight end. Eric Green eventually came, but you know his his career tailed off, tailed off very quickly. And then Tim Worley was such a bust. If they could have ever even just gotten a mediocre offense with the talent they had defensively, I think the Steelers could have been good a lot faster than when Bill Cowher arrived in 92. I think they could have been a good team in 90 and 91. Yeah, the year for them to get it done was obviously Super Bowl 30 because Chan Gailey came in, and that offense was actually pretty good. Neil right. O'Donnell had that one golden season talk about guys who couldn't do it over do it consistently for any amount of time but O'Donnell did have legitimately a very strong year I, well that's almost even unfair he had a couple of decent years there right. I just mean Noel's last couple yeah. of years would have been better uh you know it wouldn't have ended at 89 I don't remember what they went in 90 I think 91 they were like imagine they're doing that with Bubby Brister too. I know that's their quarterback was Bubby Brister. They should have beaten Denver at Mile High in '89. Of course, Denver went to the Super Bowl. Oh, we're gonna have to watch that one day when we do our show, and it is coming. That it's day coming. is coming, and it's coming sooner rather than later. That'll be one of the games we look back on. We watch some of the great games. Would love it. All right, EH. Well, we could sit here all day and continue to play this game. I don't know. I, I worry. It's like Black Tie with his movies and not seeing any of them. I feel like. You and I, and you know, Rank likes doing it, and I'm trying to, uh, very few people love sitting around talking about what happened 20 years ago in the NFL, but boy, when he, you know, Woodson starts mentioning guys like Webster Slaughter, eh, nobody thinks about them. Oh, I do. I know it's weird, but I I loved watching Webster Slaughter. That was, those were some good days in the AFC Central. Or was it the North by then? No, it was the Central still it, it, back it was, then. It was the Central, and I agree with you. And it's so funny because then I can just instantly think, okay, Reggie Langhorn, Brian Brennan. You you just start naming the guys. and uh, I always cool. dug Hanford Dixon. Oh, I yeah, didn't like him. He's on the Browns. But I I, but he, I thought he was a cool-looking DB. Number, number 29. Number 29 with the big towel. Oh, but yeah. he had the, they would both wear the white towel hanging out of their uh, – That division their... was so – Competitive. The, the coaches, when, all oh. the Steve Weish. I mean, not Steve Weish, uh, <laughs> Sam Weish. And Chaz Noel would teach them all. He'd, he'd grab them and yell at them after the game about how they were comporting themselves and the, the stuff they were pulling in games. That's Buddy Rye. Oh, I mean, Jerry uh, Glanville. I, I mean, uh, Jerry Glanville. Um, oh, yeah. That was a, that was, that was, those were good times. I will never forget, too, when Denver made the uh, Super Bowl again. I think after 87, they got hammered by the Redskins. Chuck Noel came out in the media and said, I wish Cleveland would have made it because they would have showed a lot better, fared a lot better because those teams were so used to beating up on each other all the time. And they all, if you look at the years, they all alternated playoff spots. Cincinnati, Houston, Pittsburgh, Cleveland all made the playoffs in the late 80s. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that, that was a very competitive. You're absolutely right. All right, as we await Michael Fabiano uh, to kibitz a little about some midseason fantasy talk here, uh, EH, let's blow through our picks here, shall we? And I'm going to put you up against your toughest challenger yet 
for the Red Challenge Flag segment. This is, of course, our weekly segment. I'm going to give you a game. You tell me who's going to win, and your opponent will have the opportunity to make a case why that's wrong. Let's start out with, um, let me introduce you to your competitor. It's one black tie behind the glass. I thought it was going to be Bane. I was fully prepared. (laughs) I'm not going to do my Bane impression. Oh, I could do Boomer Berman, too. I could do that. Let's make it quick because there's Fabiano right there behind the glass. All right. right. Let's get into it, though, because, uh, because people like to hear what you guys think here. We'll start out with... The San Diego Chargers, four and three, coming off their bye at the DC Skins. I'm going to start with you, EH. Uh, I'm going to take the Chargers. I, I I don't trust the Redskins at home. Yeah, RG three may look healthier, but their passing game stinks. Philip Rivers, other than Peyton Manning, most consistent quarterback in football this season. Chargers on the road. Black tie. I am not going to challenge that. I've given uh, up on the Redskins just offense. Just challenge it. That's well, the point. no, because I don't have reasons to challenge it. I've given up on the Redskins offense. Even Pierre Garçon said it. They suck at passing. RG3 came out and said today, hey, he can't control what these guys say. But I just think the Chargers, their passing game is way better than what the, anything the Redskins have to offer. Chargers win. It's nice and easy to uh, to say this, but season to season, if the Redskins win this game, they'll be 3-6 and six, just like they were last year, and uh, perhaps that is enough to make them feel motivated. And, and they're in the same bum division that's going nowhere again. Yep. First yep. place is 500 at the midway point, so this is still a division they can have. I'll take the Redskins. Uh, they, they have reason to stay, uh, to stay in this mentally. And they still have Dallas at home. Baltimore, right. Baltimore at Cleveland, three and four versus three and five. Not such an easy game to pick as you would think. Black tie. I start with you. Not loving this game. I I dislike watching any anything NFC North battles. It's just the worst football in AFC, the world. Right. AFC North. Yeah, it's just the worst football in the world to watch. Against like the Ravens and Steelers, you make that joke out. Every game is always fourteen to ten, or they're about thirteen ten. But you know what? We're just we just were swooning over the same division twenty years ago, and now you're uh, bad mouthing. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't watching football twenty years ago. Either way, so I got to go with the Ravens though, just because I trust their offense more than the Browns, even though that defense is kind of tough. I go with the Ravens on Ravens on the road. I'm Last gonna, one, and okay, go ahead. I'm going to have to throw the challenge flag on oh. that. I'm, I'm, I'm taking Cleveland at home. Baltimore's historically played well there, but they don't have any weapons. And Cleveland's defense is pretty good, particularly their secondary. Jason Campbell... I thought I had one of the best weeks last year. I just don't, think, I just don't see him picking that up. That's that was a once in a two season performance for Jason Campbell. When last did he do that? Good point. I'm still taking Cleveland. Last one, and then uh, and then to Fabiano here um, is the this is an interesting one. The Atlanta Falcons two and five on the road at the Carolina Panthers. Eh, I'm taking the Carolina Panthers. Their defense is giving up the second fewest points in the league. Atlanta is devoid of weapons as well. They keep waiting for Steven Jackson. Uh, Carolina, Cam Newton has been playing ridiculous as of late, his last three games. I don't, I don't see Atlanta going on the road and beating them. Not challenging that neither. The, the Panthers' defense, I love that defense, but Kukli and the guys, so I think uh, the Falcons just don't have the weapons. Wait a minute. He said not challenging that neither. That's a double negative. Does that mean, in fact, you are challenging it? I say this, you want, you want a double negative, no Roddy White, no Julio Jones, that's doubly negative, and I'll tell you something else that's negative, is that right now, can you believe that seven games for both of these teams in, it's like, well, yeah, of course the Panthers are going to beat Atlanta. I know, that's I know, That is crazy. Let's make sure we see the forest for the trees on that one. How shocking that is that we are saying, of course, it's not even something that we have to debate. Well, obviously the Panthers are going to beat the, the lowly Falcons at home. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, here he is, everybody. You know him from NFL Fantasy Live. He at NFL.com is the fantasy editor. He is the guru. He is the fantasy Hall of Famer. He is Michael Fabiano. What's the poop, fella? What's going on, boys? Hello. Harrison, uh, this is reminding me of our days in the old podcast when we did Sirius XM and... The show with Jason Smith and the Fantasy Predator and Fantasy Michael McDonald. And Fanbo. It's great, man. Fabiano, let's kibitz. Because we are not at the halfway point of the fantasy season. In fact, we're we're past it. Now, I'm happy to report that the Cool Cats, spelled with two Ks, sit atop my fantasy league of record. How's your fantasy stuff going so far this year? Nine leagues. Yeah. Uh, below 501. And that's our Experts League, of course, where... Tom Brady has ruined me, but I just made a pretty significant trade hoping to change things. Uh, I got Kaepernick and McFadden and Marshall, and I traded away Russell Wilson, Jimmy Graham, and Chris Johnson. Let me ask you this. Yeah. How many of the assumptions, because it's something that we do every year, and um, we, you know, you and I, as I've, I've pointed out a number of times, have sort of followed the same trajectory where it comes to when you draft quarterbacks. And now this is one of those years where you and I said, oh, you wait on quarterbacks. There's no reason to go out and get one. And the other thing that you and I agree on is unless it's Calvin Johnson in exactly the right spot in the first two rounds, you got to go with running backs there. Has either of those things changed for you? No, not at all. Who have, really? Who have been the best bargains right now uh, from a fantasy perspective? I'll tell you one, Tony Jimmy Romo. Graham. The one exception I would have said in those first two rounds was Jimmy Graham in the first round. I, and people said, in the first round, you would have been, you would have, that would have been a so smart play. So far, so good, yes. Right? Romo's been a fantastic bargain. Matt Stafford has been a fantastic bargain. Hmm. Phillip Rivers wasn't even drafted, and the guy is in the top ten in fantasy points at his position. Whereas the bargains at the other positions are sinus, they're, they're a bit scarce. They're few and far between. You've got your Nochon Marinos, um, but you know, Josh Gordon's, for example, Justin Blackman, who was suspended for the first four weeks. But I still, if we had a draft right now, would wait on a quarterback. Okay, but would you take two running backs in the first two rounds? Because I mean the the value there is not just it's not just that the position has been diminished in terms of value, mm-hmm. it's that they're inconsistent week to week. The good ones, the good running backs, no longer. I mean the top ten running backs. It's not like the the, the virtue of those guys traditionally, at least, has been. Well, you know you're going to get 12 points out of them. If they have a crummy week, they're going to give you 12. Really, That's not a true anymore. It really depends on my draft position, but I would certainly consider going running back, running back, if not running back, wide receiver, running back, uh, stretching it out to three rounds. But I think what you and I were talking about and what we told people to do back in July and August, it held water because the quarterback position is ridiculously deep. How many people are playing quarterbacks that they picked up off the waiver wire that they drafted after round five? All right, forget the quarterback thing, because I, I agree with you yeah. about that. I yeah. mean, I, I've done it, too. I've picked I'm up still, Andy Dalton, and sure. I have, you know, I'm able to make a go with week-to-week Kaepernick and Luck. I'm fine with those if guys. If you don't draft running backs early, you're dead at are that you? position. You're what if dead. I take? What if I, in the first round, went Calvin Johnson, and in the second round, I probably could have gotten Des Bryant? Wouldn't I have been better off playing well, it that way? Then you're going to be stuck with who at running back. I don't know, but the but the That's good running question. backs aren't even consistent. If I took a- Arian Foster, then I'm, you know, right now I'm disappointed. If I took um, Adrian Peterson, I'd be disappointed. And anybody under well, that, you're, you're kind of really Adrian Peterson. You can't expect him to do what he did again. I don't last expect season. But that, listen, no Sean Marino. 
He's been he's been just phenomenal. I mean, no one saw that one coming. Everyone was talking about Monty Ball, including myself. And Marino has been gangbusters. He's been the Alfred Morris of 2013. But to me, I still the, the wide receivers are, are rising in terms of value. There's no question about that. So would I draft, for example, Des Bryant in the second round over someone like Frank? Or of course I would. But it depends on draft position. And again, it depends on what's out there too. But I think right now you can say there's probably 10 to 12 dependable running backs. Dependable. That doesn't mean they're scoring monstrous numbers week in and week out, but they're dependable. You're putting them in your lineup and you're like, yeah, I'm okay with this guy. Doug yeah. Martin's killed me, though. I mean, I, 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 I got J.D. Weeks. McCoy and I got Doug Martin. I thought, wow, I, I mean, this league is over now. There's mm-hmm. no way I can lose it with those two as long as they stay healthy. And before the injury, Doug Martin was just was, 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 couldn't have been more average. Speaking of LaShawn McCoy, I'm trying to get him in the NFL AM league that you and I are participating in. I will give you any running back on my roster and any wide receiver on my roster for LaShawn I'm McCoy. I'm not giving up. Why would I give up the one good piece I have? Why would um, I trade that away? Well, you can get a good piece at running back and wide receiver to trade away a great piece at running back. How about I, that? The health for the cool cats in that league has not been right, and that's the only reason. I'm not giving up the one valued, consistent piece that I have in okay. Shady. All I right. would just say, you know, to chime in here, you brought up Jimmy Graham. I think that Rob Gronkowski, when healthy next year, you have to give him a hard look because of his. he's been better than Graham when it comes to scoring touchdowns. And Rob Gronkowski obviously had the injury this year, but if you're sitting there, especially in a 12-team league, and you think about it at the 12-hole taking Gronkowski, I don't think that's a bad idea, especially when the Patriots are pot committed with Danny Amendola. They give him $10 million guaranteed in a five-year deal. And we've seen how injury-prone he is. Mm-hmm. So who's that offense going to run through if he's healthy? Rob Gronkowski. The reason I traded Graham in the Experts League is because his snap count was really limited last week. I mean, he scored two touchdowns, yes, but I'm kind of feeling like I Well, need, he's been hurt, though. I kind of feel like I need to get ahead of things with Graham because at some point here in the next couple of weeks, I'm I'm worried that the snaps will continue to be decreased and the production will start to be decreased as a result. So that's why I traded Jimmy no Graham. No one sees more tar- – I, I, I mean, I don't think Calvin Johnson sees more targets than Jimmy Graham does. Graham only had, what, 29 snaps last yeah, week? Well, he's, yeah, he's banged yeah, up right it's now. It's a foot. But and that foot's not going to get better. They already had their yeah. body. So your, advice would be, so your professional advice is deal Jimmy Graham if you can. That's a keen note. If you get stars in return, do not trade him for, for anything less – than stars. Well, you're trying to give me quantity to get my quality. I just told you I would give you any running back or wide receiver and wide receiver on my roster. I have good players. I saw what your trade offers were. I've seen your offers and I rejected them. I don't have to kowtow to you just because you're in the Hall of Fame. (laughs) Who do you think you are? I have to demand you want Shady, so I have to fork him over to you. I won't do it. I won't do it out of principle. I'm just asking you to look at the roster. That's all, my friend. Give me a couple of names real quick. It's late in the fantasy season. Mm -hmm. so there are not going to be any diamonds in the rough. That said, who are some guys that are a little under the radar? And I'll say one for you, and I know Elliot's going to love this one, the guy who I am going to ride with now. I'm going to wait out the Doug Martin thing. Pierre Thomas is very quietly, not just good in real football, but he's a pretty nice fantasy player, and I bet you he can be had pretty cheaply in a trade. You want, you want a couple of players? Yeah, somebody's either on the can, waiver wire or who's about to take off and people aren't paying attention. You sound like Jack Nicholson there. Like, you want answers. I mean, he wants what, answers, oh, and wait, I've TD's got them. never seen that. 
two two players that you should be picking up. <laughs> yes, that's so true. Let's play it. We got to play it. We got to play it. But answer this one first, and then we'll get Black Tie's answer. And has he seen it? Andre right. Brown, who is expected to come back for the I Giants tried to get in him week and ten, stole him. Yeah, and he will automatically move ahead of Peyton Hillis right, and Brandon call. Jacobs on the on the depth chart because David Wilson is still hurt. Right, and Shane Vereen, mm-hmm. he's coming back in week eleven. You could argue that he was the Patriots' best running back. Yeah, he's a good player. Both on the field and in fantasy before he was injured. Hmm. And a lot of people dropped him because he was out for so long. So those are two players to go out and pick up right now and stash. And a lot of people dropped Doug Martin. A lot of people dropped. I don't know if he's coming back, but. Stash him, right. Stash him. Absolutely. What's what's, What's the best out there at the running back position right now on the waiver wire? Chris Obanaya? Fozzie Whitaker? It's, I love it's, it's I love the much. Andre Brown call. I think that's a really strong one. But like I say, I'm going to throw it out again. If you can get Pierre Thomas, he's sneaky. They are using him more and more. And Mark Ingram is nowhere to be found. Yeah, I got, what's the what's the, the kid that they're using behind him? Kiri uh, Robinson. Kiri Lason. Oh, stop it. Is that the Mr. Mr. song? Yeah. All right, let's yeah. play no. it real quick here. Black Tie, I, Fabiano, I don't I can't know if you've been here for that. one of our games of this, is uh, Black Tie has seen virtually no movie in existence. He's is seen, that right? He's seen three movies in history. Not true. I always say it's any movie pro- that predates 90, 92. Hey, our boss, Tom Brady, not the New England Patriots quarterback, but the, but the one who works here, I was talking to him. He, he enjoys, uh, has Black Tie seen it. He loves the idea of you not only being assigned the movie, having to get what it's about in advance, describe what the movie's about based on the name, then seeing it, and then filing a review for us. Maybe this will be it. You would you would be surprised, though. Down in the newsroom, you know, Stacey Garcia, yeah. who does a lot of the booking for the talent, she's never seen Godfather. How do you not see The Godfather? Hey, listen. Have you Bl- seen The Black Godfather? Tie is that, Black Tie hasn't seen, among the movies, he's never seen any of the Star Wars movies. He's never seen any of the Indiana Jones movies. T-T. Why? Because he's not into it. He just, I, I don't know, I'm not How into do them. Know you're he doesn't not into know it. he's not into them, but he knows enough to know that he wouldn't be into them. What? He doesn't see Tom Cruise movies because he doesn't buy Tom I do Cruise watch as an actor. Tom Cruise movies. I just haven't, I'm not a huge Tom Cruise guy. What movies yes, have I do you seen? Not buy Tom Cruise what as an movies actor. have you seen? I've seen a lot of movies. There's like not, not movies every day, it's 92. Why? Just All right, the greatest movies back. ever made. All right, All right. Fabiano, let's get into it. Today's, okay. today's uh, movie. Yeah. A few good men. I'm going to start with you, Elliot. Has Black Tie seen it? Uh, Not yet. Don't answer yet, Black Tie. I'm going to go beginning to end. No. 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 Fabiana. I've got to agree with Harrison here. No. I once fancied myself the Black Tie Whisperer because I was on a mighty streak. I could not go wrong here. And lately he's tripped me up here. I'm going to go... I don't know why. I'm going to say yes. I don't, I, I'm going to say that for some reason that's a movie he's seen. I don't know why he would. Go ahead. Now, Black Tie, tell us. All right. First of all, what movie are we talking about? A Few Good Men. A Few Good Men. He hasn't seen it. I haven't really seen it. I've seen it, but not really. <laughs> I haven't really seen <laughs> nice, it. Nice, Harrison. <laughs> why? I missed it. Why? I just said about Tom Cruise. I don't know why. The way you reacted to it initially made me think there's something. Why would he? What, what do you mean? What do you think A Few Good Men's about, by the way? Uh, it sounds like uh, a few good men. It sounds something noble. So if I had to go the mm-hmm. noble route, I would go with uh, something either maybe the farmers or an army. Um, <laughs> farmers. I don't know why. I don't know why farmers, farmers came to me. Far, like, yeah. Farmers. Or... <laughs> I would go with I'm embarrassed a... that I said he did see it. 
I Farmers go, are an army. I would go with an ensemble cast almost. <laughs> okay. Well, it's a title. few of them. There, you know, there yeah. are a few of them. So. Yeah, and uh, what, what noble movie about farmers has come uh, out in the last <laughs> places in the heart? Yeah, that's I, I, got, I was just going to say, yeah, there's some legends there. of the fall. By the way, I made the lame joke about Kiri Laysan because they wanted to buy some time to actually look it up. It's Kiri Robinson. That's what I said. That's what, I, uh, I, I couldn't. I didn't hear you say that. Fabiano yeah. got it. I, that actually, I have that song on my phone. By the way, that's a good tune. But that's not Mister Mister, is it? Yes, it is. Let's do this though. Now that it's been st- it's been given a stamp of approval by the boss, he likes the segment. Let's properly now assign you know a movie what? to I'm Black into Tie. It. I'm into it. All so right, cool. Let's, let's assign it. the movie right now. I mean, to me, Raiders of the Lost Ark is a great I, place I, to I, start. Um, I can't get into Indiana Jones. What I'm does just, that mean? You just said, me. let's get into it. No, I want to do it. Start, you won't I, see a I classic. Can off, I can start off with a few good men. I have seen bits of it. I can start off Have with you seen The Godfather? Men. I have not seen The Godfather. Come That's on, a movie I definitely want to see. Oh, that would have been a great one. Have you seen All Pulp right. Fiction? The Godfather. Okay. I have seen Pulp All Fiction. Right. That's the best, the best part of Has Black Tie Seen It? is when you do land finally, you name off 78 movies, and then finally you say one like Pulp Fiction that he has seen, and his reaction is yeah, is outraged. Well, are you crazy? Of course yeah. I've seen it. What? You <laughs> haven't seen anything else? Why, would, why is that stunning? All right, I love that. Let's do that. Why don't we do? Why don't we? No, 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 no. Godfather. Okay, I could do that. Yeah, believe me, you'll thank me. No, I agree. I agree. A lot of movies. Guys, I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm proud of the movies I have not seen. I'll be honest; it does shame me sometimes. But you're going to love Godfather. Godfather is definitely on my to watch list. Definitely, I think. Have you seen Rocky? Rocky one and two, I have. Yes. But yeah, not three and four. Hey, don't blow through all of them because okay. we, we have to package these. Wow. But guys, I don't, let's not bore the audience with what Black Tie has seen. I don't think it bores the audience. I think it's a fascinating study in one man's brain. that How, how somebody well, could get to... You have to understand to... the background, though. I didn't grow up in the States. You understand? So it's not... I mean, you guys are all here, and I am American, but I didn't grow up here, though. So it is... You know, you watch other stuff. You watch different stuff. I grew up a lot with a lot of British TV and, you know, some other stuff. I grew up in Nigeria a lot, too, and that has a lot of the British influence. I grew up watching a lot of shows as well. I don't buy any of it. Well, well, <laughs> that's just – I'm just giving you some background here, guys. I still find it hard to believe that in 2013 – because you're not alone. I think but you speak he, for many people, as, as Fabiano points out. Here's the thing with me. Here's the thing with me, though. Like, I, I want to have these movies down, and I want to get to them. It's just like, I just don't want to devote that two-hour, three-hour time block. You I'm much much more likely to jump into a TV show. You're right. Can... Wait, no, no. Can I answer that? You're right. Watching a mediocre midseason NBA game like you well, do is a well, lot better. I'd rather watch Kings well, Warriors. What, what's right. with the shots? Either way, point is, I'm much, much more into TV shows. I would way likely get into that. Watching The Wire, watching Mad Men, watching Breaking Bad. All that stuff. It's just get into a movie. All right, you're gonna like this. You'll like. You'll but like. I agree. I'm I, struck. I, by, I you know when you say you talk about the two, three hour window you need. I am struck by when you listen to interviews with uh, you know when they, uh, there's a Kubrick documentary that's great, and Woody Allen and and uh, Scorsese are both in it, and they talk about the you know oh I, I I sit and watch that movie. I've seen that movie about ten times, and they just sit around and all they do is watch movies, and I think. How do you, I mean? How does your life? You're only sixty or whatever you are. I mean, you're seventy. How have you squeezed in watching that many movies that many times? It doesn't seem like the there were enough waking hours in the day. That said, there's something in between, and that's where I want you to get black tight. It's you can't be. I have a list. I haven't seen anything. Godfather's on my list. I've, so is Star Wars. I've spent. I've spent. You can't. You can't be on your deathbed and say 
that I'll, 148 so. minutes of my life were devoted to watching movies. We got to up that I'll number. I'll get to them. I was, I was going to hit a couple of these movies, and then I was on Netflix. It's like, nah, let me watch. Let me go with Friday Night Lights instead, the, the TV show. I hadn't seen that, so uh-huh. I started watching that instead. It's just easier to get through. Let's guys. get it's through the movie. classics. Then we'll worry well, about the more enough. nuanced ones. We got to get – I want you to get we up to speed. We should because you got to get the you got to get the the pop culture references. I, I, I always wonder about that when people walk around making pop culture references, and if you don't get it, then people chuckle, and you can tell when they're it's a sincere like Haha, I get what you're saying, and then they're patronizing you, and then you have to have that you don't know what I'm talking about, do you? And then they go no, which basically is acknowledging you're lying to my face, which is a punch in my face. And then I can't be close with you. I can be friendly with you, but we'll never be really friendly. Now that you've done that, that, now that you've punched me in the face figuratively. Let's avoid it all, Black Tie, and straighten it out. Real quick, I want to get everybody's opinions on this. Let's shift gears to NBA ball, because I was getting my hair cut like something out of the barbershop. See, I know you're going to bring it on this. I was getting my hair cut the other day, and of course it's a Lakers crowd as they're cutting my hair, and we're talking about what the season's going to be, and I'm laughing at how bad the team's going to be. Fabiano, big uh, Lakers fan, in case uh, anybody out there listening isn't aware of that, even though he grew up in New York. Anyhow. Stop. Um, I offhandedly said something about like, well, LeBron, you know, until somebody knocks that team off. I do like Michael Beasley as a as a as a spare part, not as the the guy. He doesn't have to. I mean, he's the fourth or fifth option on the floor. I think he's going to flourish in that situation. I'm making my case. And I said, you know, by, besides LeBron James is the best player of all time. And the one guy went crazy. He said, what are you talking about? LeBron James, what about Kobe Bryant? And I said, "Wait a second. If you want to make a Michael Jordan argument with me, I'll 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 engage Magic you in Johnson? that." Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson is interesting. Okay. Kobe Bryant versus LeBron James, I scoff at, and he went wild. What do you say? I'm going to uh, first of all, you black tie. Lakers fans, you have to know your Is that audience. all it is? That's LeBron all it James is, is, is empirically here's, better, here's, right? Here's the way. Here's how I tell people who never really watch MJ play what Michael Jordan was. Michael Jordan was the Kobe type of Kobe playing style with the flash, the scoring ability, scoring ability, all that stuff. The clutchness, all that stuff mixed with LeBron's efficiency. LeBron's stats and efficiency off the charts. He's had the greatest statistical season since MJ and Magic Johnson and those guys. So it's like mixing and molding those two guys, and that's why MJ to me is untouchable because he had what Mike, what Kobe has in terms of like just cutthroat, but also he does it at the efficiency level of LeBron. Well, it's apples and oranges to some degree because we can compare Dion and Rod Woodson, but the difference between the two, which and you can go Dion, and that's a, a valid point that you just could not catch a pass against him, but it's offset by the physicality of Woodson. But at least they played the same position. The difference between Michael Jordan for all his greatness is LeBron can literally check five positions on the floor. He can, he can defend all five positions. Michael Jordan yeah. couldn't do that. Understood. And this is speaking of physicality, this is one of MJ's advantages that, that people don't really notice. His, he had some of the biggest hands that you could have as a basketball player. He was, he was six, a great six. defender. but he, His but, hands were huge. And that gave, him a, that, gives, that gave him a huge advantage in terms of like being able to control the ball, in terms of his offensive game, in terms of defense as well. And I understand LeBron. LeBron is a player who you would take in a lab and say, I want to create an NBA player. He's what you come out with. It's kind of like an Andrew Luck now. Like sure. Andrew Luck is our prototype quarterback. But, I mean, Jordan just had that extra, extra it factor. I'm going to give you my two cents, and then i got to run because Go i got to do an update for NFL Fantasy Live. Right now, Kobe Bryant has had the better career 
LeBron James is on his way to being second behind Michael Jordan and ahead of Kobe Bryant. Kobe's career is, what, maybe two or three years remaining. LeBron's got a long way to go. He, he could end up being better than Michael Jordan when it's all said and My done. My counter to that, though, is that Kobe's had a lot of great teams. If you, if you were to put oh, sure. together, if no you were to put together a, a rankings of Kobe, MJ's, and LeBron's teammates, if you were to add all those guys, put them in one pot, and draft them, Kobe's teammates would be like eight out of the, out of the first. You don't 10. like Anderson Vergeau? <laughs> <laughs> That's my point. Kobe's teammates would be That's eight exactly out of the first. Right. Ten. You That's have Scotty. When people get into that thing, you have Fabiano. I got to run. Midway point. See MVP of fantasy. If I said anybody else but Peyton Manning, people would laugh. Peyton All right, Manning. you're right. Go ahead. Love go you guys. Ahead. See you. All right. There he goes. The great Michael Fabiano. And here we go, too. You know what? Should we do one more game before we say our goodnights? I, I'm, I'm good with that. I just would like to point out that Black Tie got— Oh, yeah. You didn't answer the yeah, question. Yeah, and Black Tie got so offended when I suggested that he would rather watch a midseason NBA game. And he acted like, not at all. And then he just gave us a perfect breakdown of NBA history and LeBron's game and Kobe's teammates. Dude, you know the NBA. It's nothing to be ashamed of. I'm not not ashamed of it. I'm just going to throw one name out there in 10 seconds. Oscar Robertson sure does get left out of the conversation a lot. And he'll let you know about it, too. He averaged 30.8, 12.5 rebounds, and 11.4 assists in one season. Triple-double. And he averaged 30 points a game as a rookie. It's absolutely awesome what Oscar Robertson said, but in the same way, to a lesser degree, but the same way I say I don't care what Don Hudson did because the game was not at it, it was mm-hmm. not on the level. Mm-hmm. What it all comes down to is the heavyweight the heavyweight division in in boxing now is irrelevant to me because if you're 220 pounds right now and a great athlete, then you're going to be playing football or maybe NBA basketball. You're not going to be a boxer anymore. Same thing. And the best play, the best athletes were not at that time playing basketball. I so agree. He didn't, who's he playing against? The league hadn't yet reached a level where you, you, you were going up against night after night. The, but to use your analogy, when we had – when we had Rod Woodson in here, you said a guy should you. I think you mentioned it with Drew Pearson. You're the right. A guy should be judged group. by his peers. And I mean, who was better than Oscar Robertson? All right, good point. All right, so uh, so last game is I went to just to bring it to football real quick. One more red challenge flag thing. What do you think, Eh? I'm going to start, or I'll start with you, Black Tie, because it's easy to just say the Packers are going to win Monday Night Football against uh, their arch rival Bears. But look at what the Rams did. They really should have won that game against Seattle. So, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. And the Bears probably identify that if they lose this one and go four ga- go uh, go uh, two games back of the Packers, that they're not going to catch them. So it's an important game for Chicago. With that being said, Black Tie, how say you? Got to go with Packers at home, A-Rod, and, and Jody Nelson and back to that chemistry level they were at two seasons ago where, when A-Rod won the MVP. Back shoulder fades all day, Packers. Yeah, I like the Packers, too. Bears are injured at defensive tackle. Their starting middle linebacker is hurt, and the Packers just ran Eddie Lacy 29 times. And I so I agree with you, TD. And I also have to say, I thought you were going to ask us about Titans-Rams because, to me, that's a hard game to pick. It's funny. Game. I was looking at that that's one. a hard game. I think the Titans come out of the bye. I, that's an interesting stat that I'd like to see updated for this year, how teams are coming out of their mm-hmm. byes, if teams are playing better. Off the top of my head, the Rams – Oh no, they were coming off of uh, off of the Thursday night game, so they had a the couple extra days. That's what it was about. Um, I had the Bills pulling off the offset against the Chiefs. Like, uh, uh, wow. but as of right now, though, Jeff Two might be starting, so I don't know about that. But initially, I did. The Chiefs have been dicey the last couple of weeks. Haven't really been getting a lot of offense. That Bills defense sometimes can get sacks. They can get some turnovers. 
initially I had them pulling off the offset, but if Jeff Two starts, I don't know about that. DH, any chance the Steelers go into Foxborough? A lot of talk about that with their with uh, Volmer now out for the year. They've been giving up some sacks. If the Steelers, I mean, they're not. Uh, certainly putting up huge sack totals, but they're getting they're doing a little bit better at least in terms of getting some pressure now. I'd feel a lot more comfortable if they got turnovers. Yeah, they never I do. think what they really need to do is run the heck out of Le'Veon Bell. This is the kind of game I want to see him have 30 carries. Patriots have no Mayo, no Will Fork, and they're allowing 156 yards rushing per game over the last four games. 156. I mean, that is getting killed. There's no reason Ben Roethlisberger – go back to the 0-4 Steelers formula. Have Roethlisberger throw it between 23 and 28 times, make some plays, but run the football. Um, All right, well, we shall see how it all turns out there. Thanks to the great Rod Woodson. Thanks to the great Michael Fabiano. EH, a pleasure. Black tie, go and see The Godfather, part one, that is. Make sure you don't accidentally pick up part two because you'll be completely lost. You know me in spoilers. There's no way I'll do that. Can you no pick up Godfather Part Two and watch it and be? And would you be okay if you missed the first Godfather? Would you be completely lost? I would. Uh, I can answer that because I saw Godfather Two before Godfather One. I didn't finish it because I felt like I needed you to needed see Godfather, to go see so I had to go back and watch Probably it. Probably true. Do people know that Black Tie has a sweet mustache? I think they do. If they look at our, hey. if, they, if they go to NFL.com and look at the NFL Weekly Pick'em page and find the DDFP group that we have there, there's a picture of Black Tie on there. There is. There you can do a better stash than almost anyone in our company. All right, so that's that. We will be back uh, later on with more Huey and Applesauce for you. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota. Let's go places. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of 1 carat plus and receive a free natural 1 carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com.